Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, April 19th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm the theater throwback's Danielle Parcel. As we are recording, Riverdale's Carrie the Musical is currently airing on The CW. Uh, I've been checking my timeline. Robbie Rizell is live tweeting it. Mm. So if you didn't watch it and you want to watch it, uh, you know, later in the fact, I would highly recommend finding Robbie on uh, Twitter at Devo Robbie, which I'm sure you already follow him. And he's got some insight from a Carrie aficionado to uh, guide you through the episode. I'm waiting until later and I'm going to play it back and uh, start Dark Side of the Moon just in the beginning. Perfectly makes sense. Excellent. (laughs) All right. So we made a little bit of a mess yesterday, didn't we? Did we? Well, it seems as though that I hadn't quite thought out my playbill strategy. Oh, yeah. You have a problem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, it's about 25 people so far have requested the playbills. So I'm trying to figure out a fair and equitable way to do this. If anybody's got any ideas, uh, get back in touch with me. <laughs> I was thinking. I think. Hmm? Yeah, I would say um, I think the wise thing to do would be to cut all the playbills in half and uh-huh. then when you when you threaten to do that the person who says no 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 the other person can have them i don't want the playbills to be ruined that person's the one who should get the playbills because they obviously love them more that's an excellent parable you should write that down (laughs) so trademark excellent all right first up in the news matt the tony awards didn't waste too much time naming hosts this year did they No, yeah, it was first announced via social media video, but it was revealed yesterday that music superstars who recently made their Broadway debuts, Sarah Bareilles and Josh Groban, would be teaming up to host the 2018 Tony Awards this coming June. The pair looked incredibly awkward in a goofy, um, obviously unscripted video that first appeared on their respective Twitter feeds in which they made the announcement and quoted Frozen. Um, I think, uh, personally, I think this is a great, pairing uh to host i'm not sure that they will inspire all that many people to watch who wouldn't otherwise do so but if i'm being quite honest i don't think really that any host could do that for the tony awards maybe for the emmys or the oscars but i think if you're going to tune into the tonys you're going to tune into the tonys no matter who the host is but both of them do have some experience in this hosting-ish arena. Groban hosted ABC's singing competition Rising Star, which was a bit of a dud back in 2014. You basically had it was live and people had to vote via text or something, and it made a wall rise. If enough people voted for somebody, the wall would completely rise, so the singer would be revealed. It was weird um but it did feature as a contestant alice lee who originated the role of heather duke in heather's the musical off broadway she actually left the production to go out to california to shoot this show um and Borellis was a judge on nbc's acapella singing show the sing-off so hosting things and the whole shtick banter stuff shouldn't be too difficult for them and they are friends in real life so there should be nice chemi- chemistry between the two of course the ceremony will be broadcast on cbs on sunday june 10th at 8 p.m now if you remember last year not to bring up any uh, painful memories the announcement of the show's host was fraught with people turning it down before the producers turned to now disgraced tony and oscar winner kevin spacey i'm not sure whether josh and sarah were the first choices or not this year but i 
if we're not getting Benanti, I'm pretty happy with this pairing. James Daniel, wh- wh- where do you guys fall on? Do you think that these folks who have been in the Broadway community for less than two years each, or you think this is a fair grouping for the uh, for the hosting slot this year? Yeah, this this makes me very excited. I really like both of them, especially Sarah Bareilles. So I'm definitely excited to see what they do. Yeah, James, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a great idea. You know, the Tony Awards, like exactly what you said, Matt, is that we're going to tune in anyway. So let's put in two hosts that are going to bring in uh, other big audiences. And certainly they have shown that Sarah Bareilles and Josh Groban have pulled in huge audiences that didn't normally go to Broadway. So I think this is a win all over. But you know what the other win was? What's that? Robbie's tweet. And I'll quote it to you. <laughs> I'm reading it. I almost I was going to say it before we went into the next show. Go ahead. Weird that they didn't have Sarah Brillis pull Josh Groban out of a cardboard box to announce the Tony Awards hosting gig. Oh, that's not the, quote, the tweet I was going to quote. But yes, I actually replied to that one, too. But, uh, but yeah, that was a good one. That was uh, funny. Explain, explain, funny that once, explain that one to the listeners. Well, we've talked about these things before when when they've had a new stars going into Waitress. Sarah Brillis has done these really terrible mm-hmm. hints where she would just pull things out of boxes. Yeah. And uh, like the a what's inside box. And my reply to Robbie was that at one point she pulled out California poppies and it was it was a reference to herself because she's a native Californian. Yeah. But everyone thought that and I think we talked about this on the show, too. Yeah. Everyone thought it focused on the poppy instead of the Californian. So they thought that Anna Kendrick was going to take over as Jenna because she played a character named Poppy in the Trolls movie. So I referenced that uh, in my tweet to Robbie. But yeah. You know, what was, what Robbie's was the a funny tweet? guy. What was the other tweet you were going to qu- quote? Oh, he, he just now tweeted about Carrie the Musical. He said, quote, I just love these human. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I screwed that one up. I just love these human, not at all processed voices. Hashtag Carrie the Musical. Hashtag Riverdale. As we talked about yesterday, <laughs> they are quite auditant. All right, let's move on. Uh, we have casting announced for Choir Boy in the Broadway premiere. Yeah, yesterday the Manhattan Theater Club announced three of the stars that will be bringing Oscar winner Terrell Alvin McCraney's play Choir Boy to Broadway at the tail end of 2018. In fact, all three of those stars will be reprising the roles that they played in the 2013 off-Broadway premiere for MTC. Returning to the show will be Tony winner Chuck Cooper, Tony nominee Austin Pendleton, and Jeremy Pope in his Broadway debut. Not for nothing, but Cooper and Pendleton are both native Ohioans, so... Go Bucks. Uh, anyway, as it was off Broadway, the show will be directed this time around by Trip Coleman and will mark McCraney's Broadway debut as well. He received even more widespread fame outside the theater community, as well as an Academy Award for his film Moonlight two years ago, which was itself based on a semi autobiographical play that McCraney wrote. But as far as I know, was never performed widely. I think it might have had a performance. Of a small production or two. But anyway, um, in the show, quote, for half a century, the Charles R. Drew Prep School for Boys has been dedicated to the education of strong, ethical black men. One talented student has been waiting for years to take his rightful place as the leader of the legendary gospel choir. But can he make his way through the hallowed halls of this institution if he sings in his own key? The show is scheduled to begin performances at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater on December 27th. And I'm just going to throw this out there now, guys. We can mark it down. Uh, the episode airing on April 19th. I am going to say 
that I think this show is going to do fairly well in garnering its fair share of Tony discussion and or nominations and or awards come next year. Ooh, and Miss Cleo has put her cap on. I, I'm just saying MTC has not done super well with um, a, a lot of its shows in terms of audiences or Tony's recently, unless there's something I'm forgetting. But I think this one is going to be fairly, uh, fairly good for them. I can't wait till MTC does a production of Spider-Man. All right. It will, it'll never fit in the free. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next up. Ooh, the Drama League nominations are announced. Matt, can you do it in one breath? Um, I can try, but I'm asthmatic, so it might kill me. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Do it anyway. Okay. Hold on. Let me get my, let me get my <laughs> inhaler. <laughs> There we go. I just uh, took a puff. Um, <gasps> speaking of awards, yesterday, Harriet Harris, Julia, Julia White, and Christopher Sieber announced the 2018 Drama League Awards in the category of Outstanding Production of a Broadway or Off-Broadway Play are an Animal, Hangman, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and The Body of the World, Is God, Is, Meteor Shower, Oedipus, El Rey, Schoolgirls of the African Mean Girls, Play, and Until the Flood, Outstanding Production of a Broadway or Off-Broadway Musical, The Band's Visit, Bella and American Tale. Oh, I screwed it up there. Anyway, <gasps> Frozen, uh, 100 Days, K-Pop, Mean Girls, SpongeBob SquarePants, Summer, The Donna Summer Musical, and Woody Says, The Life and Music of Woody Guthrie. If you want to check out the Revival Play and Musical nominees, we will have those in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. We will also have the 55, count them, 55 nominees for the Distinguished Performance Award. Despite the glut of nominees, there were, I'm going to slow down here because I want to see if you guys have any comments on this, especially James. Uh, despite the glut of nominees, there are some glaring omissions like Ethan Slater and Denise Guff, who was in two shows where she's gotten some great acclaim. And that one's a little trickier. Um, This has never exactly been the height of logic when it came to these awards. Uh, So we can talk about that if you want. But the Drama League Awards will be held at the Marriott Marquis on Friday, May 18th at 1130 a.m. Now, Denise Guff was in uh, People, Places and Things, and she's in Angels in America now. Because the Drama League has uh, rules saying that only two people from a certain production can be nominated for the Distinguished Performance Award, I don't know if that got in the way of her nomination. I don't think it should because apparently she was phenomenal in People, Places, and Things. Um, But Andrew Garfield was nominated um, for Angels in America, and um, Nathan Lane was not because he's already won. So that kind of screws up our joke from the end of yesterday, James. But James McArdle was also nominated. So first off, Ethan Slater deserves to be nominated for every award he's up for this year. And apparently I I didn't see people, places and things, but that show alone, angels notwithstanding deserved to, you know, warranted Denise Guff getting a nomination. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's shocking. Uh, and summer, the Donna summer musical outstanding production of a Broadway or off Broadway musical. That didn't play off Broadway. Did it? It did not. I didn't think so. And it hasn't, it's yet? not even it's not even frozen yet i don't think <laughs> no it's <laughs> okay so that's interesting all right uh so uh so uh daniela you didn't get nominated did you no unfortunately maybe next year maybe next year <laughs> this is true <laughs> all right well friday may 11th at eleven thirty a.m who does anything at eleven thirty a.m oh my goodness not there <laughs> Well, we do record this week on Broadway at 10 a.m., but that's a Sunday. That's different. All right. So uh, what's up in the recommendation section? 
Well, first, it's uh, something that you sent us. I haven't listened to this, um, but it's another episode of NPR's Fresh Air hosted by Terry Gross. This time she's talking with stage and screen actor Brian Tyree Henry. He, of course, came to fame as General Butt Effing Naked in uh, The Book of Mormon. He is currently on Broadway in Kenneth Lonergan's Lobby Hero for Second Stage. And... He's getting some, you know, pretty good uh, acclaim on television as part of this, the cast of X, FX's series Atlanta, where he plays rapper Paperboy. That's Paper B-O-I. Um, so, James, you listened to this. Um, you sent it over and you, know, so you flagged it. I know how much you love Terry Gross and Fresh Air. But what was uh, especially cool about this interview? Well, it really interesting is that uh, I didn't see the news about Choir Boy. Uh, and he talked about his history as being a choir boy growing up, and that was his introduction to music and the arts uh, in his yeah. high school and how it was, like, cool to be in the choir in his school and that it, they were revered like football players. Uh, and it was it was really cool. It's a, it's a great interview. Uh, of course, it's fresh air. Terry Gross, she's just amazing. Uh, but... I was really excited to hear this interview with Brian Tyree Henry. It's it's very very good. So, and Lobby Hero, I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. amazing. Yeah, we both loved uh, uh, we both loved Lobby Hero and Brian Tyree Henry. Not for nothing is nominated for a uh, Drama League Award for distinguished performance. So. Cool for him. Um, the other recommendation is we're uh, going to talk about something real quick from our friend Patty Murin. She posted something on social media yesterday, and I'm just going to read part of it here to you. It said, quote, so last night I called out of the show because I had a massive anxiety attack in the afternoon. It had been building up for a while. And while the past month has been incredible, all of the ups and downs and stress and excitement really takes a toll on my mental health. She concluded her post saying, quote, just remember that you're not alone. Your feelings are real. And this is not your fault. Even Disney princesses are terrified sometimes. Now we've talked about this on our show and on her show um, uh, about how open Patty has been about a lot of different things, especially with her blog um, and then uh, on her podcast as well. So um, I was really proud of her for talking about this and sharing the fact that it was okay to to let these feelings happen and to deal with them and not to try to power through them or run and hide from them. A number of Broadway people have um, shared their support with her. Uh, Josh Gad, Kelly O'Hara have tweeted at her um, and saying essentially the same thing about how proud they were and how difficult life is and that people don't really understand the stress that goes into opening a show. So um, I don't know if she's back in the show or if she's going to take a little bit more time, but either way, um, we hope she's doing well, and and we're proud that she was able to kind of get the word out about this and try to demystify uh, de some of these mental health issues that people uh, often try to brush under a rug and ignore. So um, unrelated to Patty's story, but related to Frozen, did you see the story this morning about Frozen's advance? Um, that it's the largest advance in Broadway history? Largest advance in Broadway history, $62.65 million advance for, for Frozen. Uh, which, is almost, which is almost twice as much as Hamilton and more than $20 million more than Dolly. Hello, Dolly with Bette Midler. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, some pretty impressive stuff. So even if even if that story we talked about earlier in the week, I believe, yeah. about how some of the secondary ticket markets begin to slow things down. 
they've already been sold. So Frozen's in really good shape for a long time. And I would imagine I don't think Disney ever reveals when a show recoups um, and advanced sales don't get counted until the week, the, you know, till the, the day the tickets are sold yeah. or the, are performed, performed, not when they're yeah. sold. Yeah. For the performance. So technically that money's not in the bank, even though that money's in the bank. Um, so I, I'm it, very well. I mean, it's already recouped, you know, and a lot of, I mean, maybe not, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. exactly, but pretty darn close. Yeah. That's uh pretty impressive. And uh, also just a quick mention that, uh, a new block of Harry Potter tickets is going on sale soon. So be aware of that if you haven't got your Harry Potter tickets yet. Yeah. All right. So, Daniela, what do we have in this week's theater throwback? Cool. So keeping on the Disney train, uh, today we're going back to April 18th, 1994. This was the opening night of Beauty and the Beast at the Palace Theater. The production ran for about five and a half years at the Palace and then for eight more at the Lundfontein Theater. And at the time, it was the most expensive Broadway musical to ever be produced with a cost of nearly $12 million. Now, what's significant about this production in particular is that it was the first Disney show to ever be produced on Broadway, and it kicked off the company's long reign as a producing giant in New York City. Now, Disney's theatrical arm obviously went on to become extremely successful, as we just talked about, and the company's presence in the once grimy Times Square actually played a big role in turning that area around. But back in 1994, when Beauty and the Beast was making its way to the stage, a lot of people were a little less than thrilled to see Disney taking over their beloved Broadway. First, there were the theater owners, Schubert, Niederlander, and Hujamsen. The Times cited an unnamed theater owner who compared the situation to a Walmart opening in a small town and sending all of the local merchants into a panic. At one point, these companies even called on the theatrical unions to boycott Disney, but they didn't bite. Then there were the critics. Overall, the reviews for Beauty and the Beast were mixed, with many agreeing that it was entertaining enough, but nothing more than a tourist attraction. But there was one article, again, in the Times that was just absolutely brutal. This guy, Vincent Canby, was upset by pretty much every aspect of the show. He began his review with, Somewhere deep within Walt Disney Productions' overproduced two-and-a-half-hour Beauty and the Beast, now at the Palace Theater, the soul of Disney's sweet, modest, 84-minute animated film is crying to get out. It never does. It's wearing concrete boots inside the monster body of the Disney organization's idea of what a Broadway musical should be. Relentlessly bland, busy, upbeat, and robot-like. Now, he spent the next 1,000 words absolutely roasting the production, and then he used the next half of the article to advise his readers to instead see a little French play called The Triumph of Love at Classic Stage Company. Now, not everyone was as bitter as this man, but I think that about sums up the oppositional side. So as we know, even the critics and the skeptics couldn't stop Disney from building its empire on Broadway. On the day after its opening, Beauty and the Beast sold a record-breaking $600,000 worth of tickets just that day. They also made a ton of money on merchandise. At the first preview, they sold about $10,000 worth of memorabilia. And as I mentioned, it ran for another 13 years. Since then, Disney has brought nine more shows to Broadway, some more successful than others, and they own and operate the new Amsterdam Theater. Disney is currently represented on Broadway by Aladdin, which opened back in 2014, and of course, Frozen, which is currently running. Now, when I was researching this, a lot of these arguments against Disney sounded very familiar and very current, um, especially this season. We have a lot of movie adaptations and a lot of quote-unquote commercialized shows. And while I don't think people are quite as dramatic about it, I feel like there is like a similar kind of pushback in people who are like, this is the death of theater, like, not my Broadway. 
<laughs> no, absolutely. Trust me. As, as I've talked about before, part of my job is I have to keep I'm one of the people that keeps an eye on the Broadway World message board. And there is a thread that has been going for well over a year talking about this season. That's exactly what you're talking about, Daniela, mm-hmm. about people saying, oh, it's just a big theme park now. There's no originality, which to me, I say fooey. I mean, that's I mean, that's ridiculous. There's Broadway shows have always been based on something else. And I've said this before, mm-hmm. you know, they've just used to be based more on plays and books because that was the the, the more widely known form of entertainment. Now that mm-hmm. movies have become the dominant pop culture force in our society, of course, that's where people are going to be getting ideas from. If you don't like it, write your own show, you know, so I, I agree on the principle that if they're doing this just for the lowest common denominator to have something that people know and there's no actual artistic value behind it, of course that's a problem. But just poo-pooing something because the name is familiar as a movie is ludicrous. I've talked before. I loved Mean Girls. Um, I thought SpongeBob SquarePants was shockingly delightful. Those are two things that I thought had plenty of artistic merit behind them, but they're based on large commercial properties, so that does not necessarily make them bad. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely agree. <laughs> I'd like to say that the Iceman cometh worst theme park ever. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I do remember, wasn't uh, you know, it could be something inspired by Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in uh, Batman and Robin, Mr. Freeze, you know, mm. Dr. Freeze, Dr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze, I don't Mr. Remember. Freeze, anyway. Mr. Freeze, Mr. Fre- no, that's <laughs> Mr. Softy. No, anyway, whatever. Mm. All right, Matt, what did we miss today? Alrighty, another news. Here are some headlines that didn't make it into the main part of the show, but we wanted to make sure that you were aware of. Yesterday, we learned that a stage adaptation of the beloved Jim Henson, David Bowie's 80s fairy tale movie Labyrinth is in the work. works. Henson's son, Brian, who is the Henson Company's CEO, said that it would likely originate in London's West End when it finally made it to the stage. Next, yesterday, Actors' Equity announced that the union's national council had decided to retire the name Gypsy Robe for the ritual that happens on Broadway opening nights with, uh, because the term gypsy is considered a slur to people of Romani descent. The tradition will continue as it has for six decades, but AEA is asking members to vote on a new name. Also, it was announced yesterday that the Lightning Thief, colon, the Percy Jackson musical, will launch a national tour in Chicago beginning in January of 2019. We already knew that the tour was coming, but now we know a little bit more about the tour stops. It will also go to Seattle, Detroit, Charlotte, San Antonio, and more other cities, and casting will be announced at a later date. Next, in Forbes on Tuesday night, Mark Hirschberg had an article about how Trump's tax laws could widen the divide between for-profit and not-for-profit theaters, restoring a previous tax credit for commercial shows that allows them to deduct $15 million right away, and a change in the standard deduction for individuals, which could hurt individual giving, which nonprofit theaters rely on for the donations to supply funds to their operating budgets. And finally, in a move that I'm sure Lauren Michaels did not coordinate it because it happens to come right in the middle of Tony voting. Tina Fey will host the season finale of Saturday Night Live on May 19th. Hopefully the cast of Mean Girls will make a cameo as well because I think that would be really cool. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. Now, we'll have to see if all the Tony voters get an invite to Saturday Night Live. (laughs) Because they'll be in town to see all the shows. Yeah, could be. It's a, it's a small. I don't think there's 700 seats in uh, in that studio over 30 Rock, but they could try. Well, they, they just have to invite the influencers, you know, the uh, yeah, 
there, right? Do the dress rehearsal too. They, they, yeah, they, they invite people, audience for dress rehearsals. <laughs> All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at and Instagram. Don't forget the Instagram at BWW Matt, and subscribe to something like Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Daniela, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Daniela Parcel and on Instagram at Daniela Parcel well. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayVideo.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for uh, starting off your Thursday with us. Get in touch with me about these uh, Playbill solutions. Uh, I'd like to make as many people happy as possible. Anybody unhappy should contact me at BWWMatt. And uh, we'll talk <laughs> to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.